You are listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, sponsored by Natural Stacks. If you're into biohacking, performance, or getting more out of life, this is the show for you. To learn more about building optimal performance into your life, check out naturalstacks.com. You were looking for a way to change your life. You got it. I kind of think in some ways, selfishly, that it should remain a secret because it is such an advantage. Natural Stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself. All right. Happy Thursday, all you optimal performers. I'm your host, Ryan Muncy. Welcome to another episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast. I want to offer a warm welcome to our guest this week, MIT-trained biological and chemical engineer, Jasmina Aganovic. <laughs> so, Jasmina, thanks for hanging out with us today. Yeah, thanks for having us. So for our listeners, you are the president of Mother Dirt. You've got quite an extensive background in consumer products in the cosmetics industry. And you know, as we just said, you have, correct me if I'm wrong, you have both biological and chemical engineering degree from MIT. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. So, so we're impressed by that. We like big brains around here. <laughs> thanks. Um, so today we're going to talk about uh, our skin biome, which is something that's pretty interesting for biohackers. We hear a lot about gut biomes and, and we know that that's very connected to um, our overall health, our brain performance. Um, so this is going to be a really cool episode for you guys. Sit back and enjoy this one. Before we get to Jasmina's expertise, a couple of housekeeping notes. As always, go to naturalstacks.com so you can see the video version of this and get any of the links and show notes um, for the resources that we talk about today. And also, if you have not done so, please head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and let us know how much you like the show. All right, let's get going, Jasmina. Um, So I guess tell us, like I said already, we're familiar with gut biome. What is our skin biome? So similar to the gut, the skin microbiome is also an ecosystem. It's a collection of microorganisms that, similar to the gut, uh, seem to play a really important role in the health of uh, of our skin. Okay, cool. So what should it look like or or, or what should that environment be and and what is the reality of most people? (laughs) So similar to the gut, and I hate to kind of keep uh, uh, kind of restating that statement, but uh, science is early on as it is for the gut. Thankfully, the skin microbiome is a little bit simpler. But to answer your question, we don't know what the healthy or the perfect skin microbiome looks like. But what we do know is that modern hygiene has severely affected it. And the fact that we spend a lot of time indoors and very little time outdoors, modern lifestyles basically, has severely affected that. Uh, And we believe it's the link to why so many inflammatory skin disorders exist, similar to why we're seeing a lot of inflammatory gut disorders. And so that's really the area that our research is, uh, is focusing on. All right, cool. So I guess inflammatory skin conditions, you're talking about psoriasis, eczema, things like that? Virtually every modern day skin condition, believe it or not, is rooted in inflammation. Uh, And if you look at how we've been treating our skin 
We've kind of confused clean and sterile along the way. We've always believed that bacteria is a bad thing for the skin, and that's dictated so much about the personal care industry and so much of the products and their functionality that uh, that we use. Yeah, you guys have a saying called rethink clean. So tell us what you yeah. mean by that. Yeah, well, uh, we, as it says, we want to rephrase and restate what clean is. For a really long time, we've believed that clean means killing 99.9% of bacteria. And uh, if you ask anyone about what a clean countertop is or what, uh, you know, clean hands are, that's really what they'll say. Um, But uh, we're learning that that's not true, that clean defined as sterile does not equal healthy. Uh, So we want to go back to clean that comes with healthy uh, and see how we can rephrase it that way. And then the comparison that I always like to draw to the gut is this idea of clean eating, where we eat whole foods and we seek out certain foods for their bacterial content as part of clean eating. And yet on the skin, we're still very far away from accepting that. So the gut has definitely pioneered an acceptance of bacteria that you know we're, we're trying to get there with, uh, with the skin. Okay. So if, if we wanted to, to joke about it, we could say that... Uh, we want kind of like sauerkraut or, or probiotics for our skin. That's a good way of putting it. Although sauerkraut on the skin doesn't sound too uh, too fun. It sounds messy. It does. It does. So uh, I guess then you're saying that we should not be using hand sanitizers. So here's what I will say. From a scientific perspective, the studies that have analyzed the effectiveness of hand sanitizers versus washing your hands with plain soap and water show a very negligible difference between the two. But more importantly is the fact that we have integrated hand sanitizers and products that are meant to sanitize for not just our hands, which admittedly are touching a bunch of quote-unquote dirty things on a constant basis. So if we were to be very meticulous about killing bacteria, the hands should be an okay place to do it. But we've applied that to our entire body's hygiene and the reality of it is, is like my shoulder doesn't get nearly as dirty as my hands. So why would I sanitize my shoulder as much as I do my hands? So it's about recalibrating um, expectations on that end um, and also recognizing that sanitizing is probably not necessary for most people unless you work in a hospital, for example. Okay, cool. So, you know, along those lines, you guys have... Um, at Mother Dirt, you guys make some really cool products, and we'll talk about uh, some of them. The the AOBs uh, we'll get into, but since we're talking about cleaning the shoulder, I guess what's the difference between the the cleaner or the shampoo that you guys have um, versus what you might see in a supermarket with regular soaps and, and body washes? Sure. So I'll start off by saying that similar to the gut, the skin is an ecosystem. And what we're learning about the different parts of the body as it relates to the skin is that they are all different ecosystems. If you think about what the ecosystem of your armpit is going to be, it's going to be different from your face. It's going to be different from your hands. Um, So that's an important statement to be able to to make. Um, Most products out there uh, contain harsh surfactants, things like SLS and SDS, Uh, to which most bacteria are very sensitive, um, especially the good guys that tend to be pretty sensitive anyway. Um, But more importantly, the whole industry is built around the idea that bacteria is bad. So everything from the fact that they all include preservatives 
to the fact that the QA and the QC process is created to make sure that no bacteria can grow in the products. Um, all of these products are formulated with these things in mind. So if you think about any product that you use, even if you're a low maintenance person, they all contain preservatives and preservatives are formulated to prevent bacterial growth. So imagine lathering and slathering that stuff on multiple times a day and what that's going to do for the ecosystem of your skin. So that's a big one that we like to point out. And it goes to show how deeply entrenched the industry has been since really the 1800s on this idea that bacteria is bad. How did that philosophy come about? Where, where does that come from? Do you know? Uh, it was it was largely a timing thing right around the time that the chemical and the personal care industry was starting to grow. Uh, this was like the 1880s and the 1890s. That was also, I think the year was 1879, that bacteria was officially linked to disease. Uh, and we learned more about bad bacteria than we did about good bacteria. We, we didn't know this idea of good bacteria until fairly recently. Um, so the timing of it was very coincidental. We knew that bacteria caused disease a few years before this personal care and chemical industry started growing. So, um, it was a big influencer from the get-go. Okay. So we've just always had this thought process of just kill it all and like yes. you said, sterilize. Okay. So yeah. it, you mentioned a couple of ingredients. Do you have, uh, maybe some kind of a resource or, or a list that we can put on our blog with the, the, you know, the, the video version of this. So we can say, Hey, click this link and, or, or look at this PDF. And these are all the ingredients that you want to try to avoid in your skincare products. Great question. And we hope to one day, um, if, if your listeners are interested, they can go to biomefriendly.com. Um, so this is kind of a landing site for this area of research that we're focusing on. Um, we started getting that question a lot where people wanted to know what to go for and what to uh, avoid. Uh, so what we've developed is a screening platform for ingredients and raw materials so that we could create our own products, but maybe perhaps one day also certify other people's products. We're really early on, uh, so we aren't at the point to be able to create a definitive list but the other important thing that we realized along the way is that it's not just singular ingredients, it's interactions between ingredients. So it really comes down to the formula. Right. So if you see that a formula doesn't have SLS, which I definitely can say is a culprit, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be biome friendly. So the biggest guidance that we can give people at this point in time is just anything that has a preservative in it is probably not going to have a great effect on the biome. But that's a really wide net, um, and it makes it a little bit difficult to maneuver in today's era of personal care. So we're trying to develop that a little bit more before we can give people um, kind of specific insights that are that are truly accurate. Okay. All right. So let's talk about um, these ammonia-oxidizing bacteria. Mm -hmm. What are they, and uh, how did you guys become you know, so involved with them? Sure. So we call the these bacteria, uh, we call them AOB for short because ammonia oxidizing bacteria is just <laughs> way too long and hard to say. Um, we call them the peacekeeper, uh, the peacekeeper bacteria, and there's a very specific reason for it. This bacteria is actually found everywhere in nature. Uh, you'll find it in the ocean, you'll find it in the dirt, kind of hence where we get the name mother dirt from. They're really a soil bacteria. So anywhere that the soil touches, you will find this bacteria. And if you think about how we as humans used to live, we were way more immersed in the environment. We were way more immersed in nature. We were walking barefoot. 
we were swimming in lakes and rivers and streams, and we were constantly inoculating ourselves with this stuff. But this bacteria happens to be sensitive to preservatives, to SLS and SDS. Um, So if you look at how our modern hygiene has evolved, um, and also the fact that we don't spend time outdoors, we've basically eradicated it from modern human skin in the last 50 to 75 years is what we approximate. So the next question becomes, why is this bacteria really important for the skin? Um, I'll put it this way. If we removed this bacteria from uh, the soil in a potted plant, that plant would die. Uh, If we removed this bacteria from any ecosystem, let's say a rainforest, that rainforest would die. The reason for that is because ammonia in and of itself is toxic. Um, the I don't know if you guys know the nitrogen cycle. I don't want to get too technical, but um, in basic biology, they teach you about something called the nitrogen cycle, and ammonia is one of the waste products of it. And this bacteria consume that and convert it back into the cycle so that things can continue on happily. If ammonia builds up, then it becomes toxic, and then eventually that ecosystem can't function, and the toxicity brings the ecosystem down. Uh, So this bacteria is incredibly crucial in making sure that this cycle can continue. So anywhere in nature where you will find ammonia, you'll find this bacteria, which is virtually everywhere in nature. The only exception is modern human skin. Through our sweat, we are constantly producing ammonia. Uh, And so it begs the question, why doesn't human skin have it today. Uh, and so that was a little bit of kind of the seed, um, the seed for us. Okay, cool. So the way our audience thinks is, all right, we have this problem. How do we fix it? So it sounds like the solution is to expose ourselves to dirt more or be outside more. Be outside, yeah. And, and to stop stripping ourselves of those AOBs, you know, through the over-sterilization when we clean ourselves. Yes. Our philosophy is less is more. Um, so if you already have a minimalistic routine, which I, I would believe that a lot of, a lot of your listeners do good for you. Uh, and we're kind of pushing in that direction. Um, and along that philosophy, what we're finding with our users when they, when they basically it's a spray, it's a live bacterial spray. When they, they spray it back on their skin, they actually find that they can use less. So deodorant is a big one for us where like 60% of our users are able to stop using deodorant. And the question is like, how, how is that possible? Um, because we've become so preconditioned to believe that we need all of these products, especially things like deodorant. So what's going on if we spray it in our armpit, then, you know, for somebody who may be a skeptic with that, I guess, give, give them some reassurance. You spray it in your armpit and sure. So why don't I talk about the the mechanism of the bacteria? So we talked about the fact that it consumes ammonia. um, And the fact that it does that is really important. Um, Ammonia on the skin has a high pH. um, And disease states are typically associated with high pHs. Um, The buildup of ammonia is what causes diaper rash in babies, just to give you a sense of really how toxic it is. Uh, So the fact that it removes that is good in and of itself. It brings the pH down to a healthy level. But then where it gets really interesting is what the bacteria output. So they consume the ammonia and then they turn it into something. So there are two things that are produced as byproducts. Uh, One is nitrite and the other is nitric oxide. So they're kind of big words in and of themselves. But nitrite functions as, um, in medical literature, it's called an anti-infective, although we don't really um, uh, push it as that. But the mechanism that we see happening there is that it helps 
keep the bad bacteria at bay. So it helps keep them in check. So in the case of the armpit, what we believe is happening is odor-causing bacteria, these are the things typically associated with BO, are diminished um, because our sweat in and of itself does not smell. It's the interaction of it with these smelly bacteria. So if we're able to get rid of smelly bacteria and neutralize them, uh, then that is a good thing. So our, our need for deodorant decreases. And this is I'll say a radically different approach than how deodorants and antiperspirants are created. Um, antiperspirants are created so that you stop sweating, um, which I would argue is like, why would you go against your biology? Um, and secondly, um, they're created to kill all bacteria and microorganisms. Um, and there's an interesting conversation that we can have about what happens when you sterilize the skin, why that's actually a, a bad thing, what it leaves your skin susceptible to. So that's the mechanism that's happening with the nitrite. And with the nitric oxide, this is like, um, uh, it's called like an anti-inflammatory, but effectively it's a calming and a soothing agent um, that really is good for sensitive skin mm-hmm. uh, and helps restore balance in, in that realm. So that's kind of a specific example of the armpit. Um, and it's interesting what happens in other ecosystems as well. So let's talk about that nitric oxide for just a minute. We've had mm-hmm. Paul Jaminet was on a previous uh, episode of the podcast. And I'm not sure what his affiliation is with you guys, but I know that, that there was something there and he, he brought it up and that's actually that was our first introduction to uh, Mother Dirt, and he mentioned that that the AOB spray converted the ammonia into nitric oxide, mm-hmm. and that it was reabsorbed uh, through the skin. We don't know that for okay. sure. Um, Paul seems to think that it is, um, but we are doing studies to understand what the the diffusion through the skin is, if at all. Um, so yeah, we don't we don't know. So the, and that was going to be my question: is you know, is that a bad thing if it's reabsorbed, or because I mean, these are things that your body has tried to excrete through sweat. Right? So I'll I'll be really specific. What your body is excreting is waste, and that waste is ammonia. What mm-hmm. the bacteria are doing are breaking down that ammonia and converting it into usable items for your skin. So that's that cycle that yeah. I talked about. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't label nitrite or nitric oxide as waste byproducts at all. If anything, I would call them being recycled and reused back into the system so that your skin can be healthy and, and function. That's what I would view more of that, uh, what I would view more of that as. Nitric oxide is a really interesting one for us, and it was something that had triggered a lot of interest um, from the founding team here and certainly something that we'll keep on looking at um, nitric oxide or the discovery of nitric oxide led to the, uh, the Nobel Prize in 1998. Um, because it's such a crucial uh, signaling molecule for the body, there is this body, uh, there's this body of belief that modern humans exist in a state of nitropenia, which is basically nitric oxide deficient. Uh, and that is believed to be not a healthy state and potentially linked to uh, several issues. Uh, the big race has been, you know, how can we reintroduce nitric oxide back into the human body? And it's proven to be difficult because it's a gas. So gases are not stable. So you can't really deliver it. So there was a lot of interest in what we're doing because uh, you potentially have bacteria that exist on the surface of your skin that are just constantly producing this gas bubble around you that um, is self-limited and potentially could be absorbed, although we we really we really don't know. Um, where we've chose to focus is on the skin microbiome as a whole and inflammatory skin disorders, and hopefully one day we can return to studying um, nitric oxide and potentially the effects of that on um, 
on the skin. So that's a really tricky one, a really <laughs> interesting one for those who can crack it. Um, and obviously why Paul was really interested in it, but um, we'll see. Yeah, very cool. So let's go back. You said we could have an interesting discussion on you know what happens to the skin and, and what it's susceptible to um, without those bacteria. So yeah, let's let's hear a little bit more about that. Sure. Uh, so we know that our skin is the biggest organ. We've heard that before, and we've also heard that the skin is the first line of defense against the environment. Uh, we thought that that was just like skin cells, um, but recent studies, and the, the first one that comes to mind is one that came out recently from UPenn, um, which is the role of bacteria on the skin uh, and potentially their communication with your immune system. Um, so the idea is that the skin is the first barrier to the environment, and specifically, it's the bacteria that live on your skin that end up playing the intermediaries. And they are the ones that communicate to your skin about what to do, how to function, and if they should elicit uh, an inflammatory response. Uh, so that's a, an interesting way to look at things. So what happens if we get rid of all of the bacteria that are on the surface of your skin? You lose that communication pathway between your skin cells, potentially your immune system, and the environment. And what that does is it puts your body in like a hyper-inflammatory response state because it doesn't know what's happening on the outside. It has no way of hearing it, so it goes on the offensive. Um, so it's constantly trying to battle something because it's trying to protect itself and it doesn't know and it's not hearing anything from the outside. Um, the other interesting avenue that we'll add is that um, typically when we sterilize, the good guys um, who are a little bit more sensitive are pretty much eradicated immediately. Um, and the bad guys are a little bit more robust. This is what makes them bad guys. Um, part of being an ecosystem is that you have a balance. Um, a healthy ecosystem is a balanced ecosystem, and everyone is functioning and contributing as part of that society. When you get rid of a significant portion of them, what that does is it creates an opportunity. It creates an imbalance that creates an opportunity for the potentially problematic ones to start to create issues. Um, so I'll give two specific examples of this, acne and staph infections. So all human beings, it is believed, have a pea acne on their skin, the acne-causing bacteria. Um, if we were to swab you and if we were to swab me, uh, we would both have pea acne on our skin. Um, so why, why don't we have acne? I'm looking at your skin and your skin seems to look really great. Um, and I would hope that mine does too, but, um, why is that? Why do we have acne causing bacteria, but no acne, right? We have that bad guy there. Well, something is happening in that ecosystem to keep them in check. So they're not actually causing a problem because all the checks and balances are in place. Staph is another great infection. All human beings have uh, staph bacteria on their skin. But why do some of us have staph infections and others don't? It's because there's an imbalance uh, in their ecosystem that creates an opportunity for them to go from contributing member of that ecosystem to a problem maker or a troublemaker in that ecosystem. So more and more people are talking about bacteria not as the source of a problem, but the imbalance being the source and the root of the problem. Okay. And that's what makes it so important that we protect that balance and, and don't strip ourselves clean. So I think the thing that stood out to me at the very beginning of what you just said was it's almost like the more we sterilize our skin, the more we put ourselves in an inflammatory uh, environment, which is, is it's, it's very interesting. I mean, cause we think we're doing the opposite. 
Right, right. Well, that was the same thing for the gut, right? And I hate to like keep on bringing up these parallels, but the human body is an ecosystem. That is fundamentally what we are learning. Um, and figuring out how to keep that ecosystem balanced and healthy is probably going to be one of the keys to overall and general health. Well, I, I don't see any problem comparing it or bringing up the gut. I think that that's something that, that our listeners really, at this point, they understand and, and, and we can relate to. So uh, we know that the gut is connected to things like serotonin production and, and so many other different cognitive performance areas. It, it's interesting that you said that our skin has that communication and, and the impact on the immune system and, and inflammation, which we know can affect performance and overall health. Is it connected to anything else that, that we may see manifest in, in performance or, or happiness? Uh, you know, I mean, obviously like, you know, odor and, and cleanliness and appearance, yeah. but, but anything else? So right now we're focusing on those more cosmetic areas. Um, and there's a very specific reason for that. We were grounded in uh, in research and as excited as we are about all of the interest in the microbiome, both the gut and the skin, we do want to be very measured with what is being mentioned and promised. Um, it's very exciting to hear about some of the research that's coming out, but at the same time, the field is really early on. And so we don't want to be kind of selling all sorts of craziness in terms of concepts. Right. So we're focusing on the basics, body odor, cosmetics, and uh, you know, reliance on personal care products. And you know what? That is that is actually pretty profound in and of itself. If you look at how we've been programmed to use products and we'll use that as a beginning step. And hopefully as our research advances, we can continue to share more. We certainly do hope to be the leader in the skin microbiome. There aren't as many players in the skin microbiome as there is in the gut. Right. Uh, and we want it to be a community effort, um, which is why we have an AO Labs program uh, where our users can kind of participate in our research. But um, little by little, I think is our uh, is our perspective and our approach. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if we find out some more interesting and fascinating things um, at all, um, but just want to be careful about claims and stuff that's made. Yeah, of course. Tell us about the AO Labs. Sure. Um, AO Labs is our way of holding on to our origin story and why we started. Uh, we. Mother Dirt was not part of the original plan. Selling products was not part of the original plan. Um, what the original plan was, um, was to be a, a pharma company that focused on AOBs as a therapy. Um, we started off focusing on wound healing, uh, and that was where we started analyzing the interaction of this bacteria with the, with the skin. And that triggered a few, uh, a few thoughts for us uh, and intrigued us about what the impact of personal care is on the skin. And we did a study to better understand that. Um, and that study was written about in the New York Times article by Julia Scott in 2014. Um, that article generated so much interest in our work that it it kind of woke us up to the fact that we were working on something that was not only important to the academic and the medical community, but important to people, period. Um, because so many people were looking at the world around us, wondering why we were having more and more problems with our skin versus less and less parents who are raising kids with all sorts of issues that they didn't grow up with. You know, parent goes to the dermatologist and their kid has crazy eczema and the dermatologist says, no big deal. It's just a little bit of eczema. One in six kids has it today. And the parents think... 
no, that, that wasn't that way when I was uh, little. So we struck a chord, um, a chord that wasn't just about the science, but it was about the idea of, of clean. Um, so we, uh, started selling the product as a beta, um, kind of a beta period and we sold out immediately, uh, and it started basically a nine month backlog. Um, and the most important thing that came out of all of that was the curiosity of our users and their openness about how they were using it and what they were noticing that shaped what we did next. Uh, and it's been it's been such a tremendously influential part of our company where we all of a sudden went from a biotech that had 30 data points to this consumer company that had thousands of data points. Right. You know, typically companies work for years to be able to get there and we got there in a matter of months. So we, we want to preserve that. We wanted to preserve the community effort around that. Um, we wanted to meet our users where they were. And we wanted them to participate in, in the learnings and the process. So uh, we created AO Labs. It launched a few months ago. Um, it's still kind of in its, in its inception. But what it is, is it's a member program. Um, it's like $20 annually. It's not about making money. Uh, it really is just about making sure that people know that they will actually be called on to participate in things. Um, and there are new products that we look for feedback on there, new biome-friendly formulations, um, and also questions about things that we're trying to troubleshoot and solve. Um, body odor is a big one. I mentioned that 60% of our users are able to give up deodorant. Well, we really want to know what's happening in those other 40%. Um, so that was one of the first ones that we started and is still in progress. Um, so that's, that's basically the crux of AO labs and the inspiration there. All right. Very cool. So anybody listening that, that has an interest in participating can just go to your site and sign up and, and join that. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's, it's not a physical thing where you have to live in Boston or, or be in a big city, right? No, no. Okay. We have AO labs members all across the U S. Okay, cool. Um, so you mentioned earlier, uh, like a minimalist routine when it comes to hygiene. What would you guys recommend? Uh, it's highly personal, I have to say. Um, there are some people who still would never give up their deodorant, and that's all to them. There are some people who can't imagine a life without moisturizer, and that's all to them. And there are others that say, I have to use an SPF all day, and that's all to them. The main thing that we encourage with our products is experimentation, and that's where people are surprised. So where they can't imagine stopping the use of their moisturizer. We encourage them after using the mist to start weaning themselves off and see how their skin responds. And that's where the fascinating stuff starts to happen. So I can't recommend a one-size-fits-all routine. We have three products that we offer, and we don't necessarily recommend that everyone use every single one of them because there are some people who find that they really don't need to use the cleanser that much at all. They find that the mist does enough. Water only showers and just the mist keeps them fresh and clean and they're fine. So um, personal experimentation is definitely, definitely the key. Okay, cool. And just to clarify for people, you know, I, I know we mentioned the, the cleaner and the shampoo earlier, but the AOB is a mist that people spray all over their body. Correct. And, and you can do it multiple times a day. Yes, because the bacteria feed off your sweat. Uh, you want to spray it on after your shower and maybe before a workout or before going to bed or something along those lines. Okay. And you guys just won at, at Expo West last week. You guys won a Nexty for yes. the, the whole line or, or the AOB spray? 
It was our brand. Our brand okay. won the Nexty Award. Okay. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Thank you. We were psyched. Yeah. <laughs> the Award uh, is, is like breakthrough product of the year. And for a conference like Expo West, that was a really big deal for us, especially because we are still so young. Uh, we're not even a year old. I think we're on month eight or nine. Um, so it uh, it just blew us away and it put us on the radar of so many people, which was really fantastic as well. So um, it was just it was just exposure, and I think uh, the continual acknowledgement that people are demanding a different approach. Um, and people are expecting a different approach and people are curious about this, whether they're curious in a negative way, like this is crazy or curious about it in a positive way. Like I've been thinking about this and I'm so glad someone did it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's very symbolic to us. I'll say that. Okay. Very cool. Well, congratulations. Thank you. All right, guys, we've got a special offer for you. Uh, Jasmina has offered a 25% off plus free shipping discount for natural stacks listeners. Um, we will put that link on the video version uh, on the blog for this podcast. So go to naturalstacks.com. You'll be able to find it. And we will get you a special discount code from Mother Dirt so that you get 25% off your first order plus free shipping, um, which Jasmina has told us is it's a big deal because you guys expedite shipping, right? Yes, yes. Okay. And that's because we have to get it. It's temperature controlled. Yeah, the bacteria just can't be uh, too hot or too cold. So we ship it all via three-day or two-day shipping in some cases. Okay. And the mist is stored in the refrigerator, correct? Yes. Uh, although I'll say if you're going to use it up within a month, then you can keep it on your bathroom counter and it's okay. perfectly good. But if you want to stretch it, then the fridge is the best place for it to be. Okay. So I want to shift gears a little bit. I know you've previously been a part of uh, a cosmetic company where you guys looked at what skincare needs were at different points of the aging process. Can you, I'd love to just get a couple of bullet points from you for each age. Like if somebody's in their twenties, their thirties, their forties, what, what should we be thinking about? How should we be taking care of our skin at those different intervals? Sure. So let me talk about the origin of, of all of that. Um, this is back when I was at MIT. Uh, I was working at a, uh, at a lab that was um, <laughs> looking at a different treatment for ear infections. So we were looking to create an eardrop that was liquid, but then when it hit body temperature, it would turn itself into a gel. And then the gel would stay there and then slowly diffuse the medicine into the inner ear, which would be very attractive for little children uh, that don't like to sit still. Um, but you can't test on ears right away. Uh, so you have to come up with, uh, with models leading up to it. And so the model that we used to test the passage of that medicine through was human skin. So very, uh, not sexy. It would involve literally picking up slabs of donated human skin from, uh, (laughs) MGH, Uh, And then what I would have to do is I would have to separate out the layers of the skin. And so I know that this sounds gross, but bear with me here. I, the only pieces of information that I had were whether or not the sample was coming from a male or a female and the age. And it was really frustrating for me in the beginning to deal with certain types of skin samples. And I realized that they were typically uh, belonging to older people. Um, It didn't matter if it was a male or or a female, um, but I definitely noticed a difference in how the skin responded to the medicine and also how my handling of it was as I needed to separate out the different layers of it. 
And I thought, isn't this fascinating that there is such an obvious difference between skin in its 20s and skin in its 40s, right? Still like generally young skin, I would say. Um, And there's such a tremendous difference in what it is like to work with and how it responds to this medicine. So that kind of triggered a little bit more research into what the differences are in the skin. And so to give you a little bit of a a breakdown of it, um, in your 20s, the primary challenge that you deal with is um, like free radical damage. So in your 20s, you're a little bit more (laughs) carefree. You don't typically have issues. Um, You might not be sleeping as much as you should because you can get away with it. You might not be eating the best diet that you should because you can get away with it, Um, you know, uh, lifestyle aspects. Uh, And you're probably spending maybe a little bit more time out in the sun because you can get away with it. Um, But it all, of course, catches up to you. So the 20s is a little bit more about um, antioxidants um, and helping address some of that free radical damage. Uh, In your 30s, the rate of cellular regeneration starts to slow. Um, so this is why some people say like they feel their skin got a little bit duller and it's not as dewy um, in its 30s. And th- that's maybe terminology typically used by women. Um, but stimulating that rate of cellular regeneration, whether it be just through regular exfoliation or other topicals that you could use, um, is uh, is one of the key ways to do that. Um, and then getting up towards the 40s and the 50s, the 40s, you start to see the earlier signs of sensitivity for the skin. Um, And a lot of that has to do with um, the thinning of the skin layers. Um, And then in the 50s, you start to deal with more immune issues uh, for the skin. Um, So its immune layer seems to be a little bit more uh, compromised. And of course, with what I'm working on now, I wish I could kind of go revisit that and like sequence those skin samples to see how their microbiomes were different. But it's interesting to have all of these pieces fall into play. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, So when you mention that, I can't help but think things like collagen um, in Mm -hmm. the diet. At what point would would that be something that people want to say, hey, I need to start introducing this? Um, Well, that's a really interesting point. I would say the earlier, the better, but I think definitely the 30s is what what makes sense. I have to uh, put an asterisk here. I'm not actually that familiar with the studies associated with ingested collagen and how that affects your skin. I know that in general, it's really healthy for um, your bones and your joints. And I'm a big proponent of of bone broth and all of that. Um, And I guess I should also mentally think about maybe that's helping the collagen in my skin, but I'm not not too familiar actually with the effects on that. But if I had to make a recommendation, it would be the, the 30s. Okay. Jasmine, where can our listeners get more of you and Mother Dirt? They can go to motherdirt.com and find out all the information there. And if they're actually interested in a little bit more of the the nitty-gritty of the science and where we're taking our clinical research, they can also visit aobiome.com. So (laughs) A-O-B-I-O-M-E.com. All right. So what's next? Can you give us any hints or... Yeah, I can definitely give you hints. We've we've continued expanding our portfolio of biome-friendly ingredients. Uh, so what that does is it helps us uh, enhance existing formulas, but also, and more excitingly, uh, launch new products. Uh, so we're going to be doing a product launch in the coming months. Um, and I think you might have sampled it at Expo West. I know that they did bring some. I don't know if Robin gave you the sneak peek on it. But, um, well, no. if you didn't, then, then, I, then I can't say anything. So oh. uh, we're going to be launching, yeah, a new product. Um, and then one of the things that I, I have to say we, we're focusing a lot on is 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 body odor and seeing if we can come up with a targeted treatment for the underarm area. So kind of maybe separating out the mist from 
um, you know, all over body use, maybe something that's a little bit more specific as a deodorant, as we start to understand through AO labs, um, that other 40%. Um, so I, that's a goal for us. We, um, it's science, so you can't always put timelines on it, but it's, um, it's a goal of ours. I would be willing to guess that if you guys can solve the underarm odor issue that, uh, that that you might be able to rule the world. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, that's a, that's a lofty goal, but, uh, yeah, ruling the world. I'm totally fine with that. (laughs) I mean, who's not going to be interested in that, right? Hey, anyone who's a germaphobe, I can tell you right now, would not be interested in that. Um, I mean, <laughs> but, I'm, I'm just kidding. I think that body odor is a fascinating thing. And for the first time, we're talking about creating a product that doesn't kill bacteria. So, I, yeah, I mean, that would be huge if we were to crack it. But not all human bodies are the same. So therein is the challenge. It's true. And I'm upset with Robin that I didn't get to sample whatever this surprises. Oh, well, you can go complain to her. (laughs) I'll do that. I'll do that. All right, Jasmine, we ask every guest uh, for their top three tips to live optimal. So what would you say to our listeners? Uh, The first one that comes to mind is meditation. And this is something that I've started recently. Um, Big recommendation on that. Um, continuing to read books. Uh, I know that that sounds like a very basic one, but I read so much when I was younger and into college. And then as my career picked up, I, I stopped reading and, um, I, I really felt like that impacted me. So now I'm back into that routine. And, um, I think that that's great for business and for pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be the, and spending time outdoors. Um, I, I know that that's part of our brand, but that actually always has been really important to me. I come from South Florida. That's where I grew up. So, Boston was a really big adjustment for me, um, and it's snowing right now today, uh, and it's supposed to be spring. So, um, yeah, never underestimate the power of just a simple walk outside. I think it does so much to change your mindset. Yes, I would agree with that completely. All right, yeah. let's let's push you for a couple more tidbits. What good books have you read recently? Okay, um, there are two books that I highly recommend. Um, the first is called Essentialism. Um, yep. so it's all about going, have you heard of it? I've read it. It was Greg McEwen. Or yeah, McEwen yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just finished that book. Um, and I really, I really like it. I think especially for people who are really ambitious, ambitious, it's difficult to get kind of spread out all over the place and mm-hmm. honing in your focus and making meaningful strides is, um, is a, is, is great. Um, I, I like that book a lot. And then the second one that I just started a couple weeks ago is uh, Adam Grant's Originals. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've read. Uh, it's a fairly new book, but um, I'm I'm really enjoying this book, especially for people who enjoy creative work and are kind of tackling unique things in business. Um, so I've uh, I've really enjoyed that book so far too. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for the recommendations. Yes. I'm sure our listeners will enjoy that. <laughs> I hope so. Cool. Well, Jasmina, thanks for hanging out with us today. This has been great. And uh, for our listeners, you guys make sure you check out naturalstacks.com to see the video version of this. We'll have all kinds of links to the things that we talked about, uh, AO Lab, AO Biome, motherdirt.com, um, all of the cool stuff that you guys can just click, go visit, and continue to read, research, and, and make your own decisions. Um, and also, if you guys haven't, make sure you head over to uh, iTunes, leave us a five-star review, let us know how much you like the show, and we will talk to you guys next Thursday. Thanks for listening. Natural Stack. Start optimizing your mental and physical performance. Optimize yourself.